The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Scumbags! Rage! Sports Rage with Gabe Morenci. Rage all you want. Level 3. This is Sports Rage. I am Rage. to pick some players, the hustlers, the people of Boston, but everybody else in between. Sirius XM Channel 159. So I was just talking about when we went to the break, what the hell was Matherin doing? Uh, you can see the, I tweeted it, uh, I can retweet it uh, here. And a shout out to our boy John in Chicago for sending it in. Ben Ben Matherin, we're just talking about what a great night that he had on the court. So after the game, he takes a bow, like he takes a bow to the crowd type thing, and the TCU cheerleaders are standing next to him, and he appears to sort of tap her on her breast. It's the strangest thing ever. Like, I, I'm watching it over and over here right now, and I'm just I'm dumbfounded and I'm baffled. Yet she did not move, she did not react, and I think that if you know what I mean, he would have touched her, that she would have had a reaction. Now people are slowing it down and looking here, and I don't know, man. This is it's, it's pretty weird. Like someone's got a shot here where. It appears like he missed. He did not touch her. And then someone else has another angle where it looked like he kind of did. But the thing is, what, what was he even doing? Like, did he not see her there? Because he has his other arm out too, Matthias, if you look. You know what I mean? So, guys, like, he does a bow. He does, like, a bow towards, like, the, the scores table and fans and then he sort of like outstretches his arms out and he walks off the court with his arms outstretched. Except one of his arms outstretched kind of tapped the TCU cheerleader right in her breast. Yet she did not move. Like she did not have any reaction. Like you, you figure like, oh my God. So I think he sort of missed. Well, I don't know, dude. It's very bizarre. And I tell you what, like... Like, I don't know what the hell he was thinking. Like, is he going to get suspended? Like, is this going to turn into something? Like, I don't know. Like, we got to hear from the cheerleader. Like, what, what happened here? I'm watching this, and I'm just sort of baffled as to what the hell are you doing, bro? You can't, like, I don't know. I, like, I, I don't know. I want to hear his take on this. If he, he wasn't asked about it after, we didn't see it, right? Because after the game, he did the interview on TV, and this happened after the interview. So we didn't see it happen. Very bizarre, Matthias. You've seen the video now. I don't know what to make of this thing. 
Uh, Gabe, it's odd, and like you said, you're kind of dumbfounded because the cheerleader doesn't react whatsoever. The cheerleader behind her doesn't react whatsoever. He doesn't even look back or do anything. It's almost like, did he have his eyes closed? Who knows? I don't know what's going on right here, but we're going to see where this takes us for you know the next couple hours going into the morning. And if the cheerleader, like you said, says anything. It's so, like... Thing is, he has his other arm out too. So, like I said, but why is he walking like that, anyways? Like he does a bow and he outstretches his arms and he touches the TCU cheerleader right on her breast. Level three. This is sports rage, and uh, we're just watching a video right now. I just retweeted it. You can follow me on Twitter at sports rage. And I just retweeted the video of Ben Matherin, and it's the strangest thing ever. So Matherin took a bow after, so basically after the game was over, we saw Matherin was interviewed, right? He was interviewed uh, by uh, by CBS after the game or TNT, whoever it is. And um, so we didn't see this happen on TV. They cut away after. Right, but so basically, after Mathurin, if you're just joining us, your AM radio affiliate. So Mathurin had 30 points for Arizona tonight. Takes a bow after, and then outstretches his arms, and appears to have tapped the TCU cheerleader in her breast area, like literally, like he tapped her breast as he's walking off the court. Now there's a big debate as to whether like he 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 actually made contact or not. Because the cheerleader did not flinch. She did not react. And there's another cheerleader there, too, and nobody reacted. They were just, they did not move, and they didn't, you know what I mean? It wasn't like, oh, my God, he just touched me. Nobody, you know what I mean? There was no reaction. But I just I just don't understand. I'm watching it on a loop right now. It's on Twitter, but it's just like it's on a loop. It's going over and over. <laughs> did he not see them? But it's hard to say I didn't see anything. And I just happened to touch you in it. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, but who the hell would do this? And like, you know, I, I don't know. Like, uh, like I said, I'm very perplexed by this. I need to know. I need to like, did, 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 was he asked about this? Hey, what happened with the cheerleader? You say, what cheerleader? I didn't see any cheer. Like, you know what I mean? Because it's blowing up right now. <laughs> And in fact, like you go to Twitter and it even pops up, Matherin cheerleader. I don't, I you know, like other people are saying, no, he didn't, he did. <laughs> people are like, am I the only one that just noticed that he just touched the cheerleader's breast? Twitter's blowing up. Something to think about. Is he going to get suspended? <laughs> like, I don't know, like... SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 
This is Sports Rage. I am Arantzi. We're breaking it down, kicking it. Sunday, bloody Sunday. Ian Cameron returns, a.k.a. Babano. Let's keep it uh, going. Babano will get into the National Hockey League. As there has been a couple of big-time trades, actually, um, on um, in, on the ice in the National Hockey League. And, uh, we'll break down the trade deadline, take a look at tomorrow night's uh, games. But let's continue right now uh, with some uh, college basketball numbers that are up on the board. Some great matchups, too. Just some really interesting matchups uh, into the Sweet 16. So we were talking about Providence and Kansas. Uh, Providence getting seven and a half of a battle. So now they're the underdog. They've been disrespected. They they do have a chip on their shoulder. But all that being stated, it's not going to matter once they uh, once they tip this game off. Um, but I do think they can match up with Kansas. They can just ugly the game up, right? They're a tough physical team. They can ugly the game up. Kansas definitely are better than they are. Uh, but doesn't mean uh, they're going to cover the seven and a half. Interesting matchup. Well, we talked about Providence. Yeah, you're right. Uglying the game up, being physical. They're a good rebounding team. They're a good defensive team. But what we didn't expect from Providence was for for them to all of a sudden excel shooting the basketballs, particularly from three-point range. And they did that against uh, Richmond. 12 of 22, 55% from three-point range in the victory against Richmond. I mean, if they could get any sort of semblance of they don't have to shoot 55. I don't expect them to shoot 55% from the perimeter every game. But if they can even get something you know, in the ballpark of that, they're going to be a very tough vote for Kansas in this game. And what I liked is they had five different players in double digits scoring the basketball for them. Horsler, Reeves, Durham, Watson, Bynum, they all got that into 10 points or more against Richmond. That's balance. That makes it more difficult on the opposing team defensively. So, no, I like the way Providence's game is coming together. I'm never going to sell Ed Cooley short. Of course, in a situation now where you're going to have some time to prepare, now that you've got almost a week now after the uh, first weekend of the tournament to get ready for Kansas, put a game plan together. Yeah, I mean, Providence, and I like the way they're playing with this, like you say, this chip on their shoulder, that we have an axe to grind to prove to everybody we're not lucky, we're good. We're a good basketball team. So I'm with you here. I think they've been undervalued all tournament long because of this narrative, because of this rhetoric that's going around. I yeah, because be of Ken Palm. Against Providence. Yep. Because of Ken Palm, because people buy into that stuff. And listen, Ken Palm's great, and it doesn't mean he's going to be right about every team. And I bitched about that luck stuff all year about Providence. It's the stupidest, like we said, like what's lucky in basketball? As you said, what, like uncontested shots. That's like the stupidest thing ever, because anybody that's played basketball knows that if you're getting terrorized all game, it's going to affect to your shooting, whether you're contested or not. And in fact, I heard Reggie, um, um, Richard Jefferson, I was going to say Reggie Miller, Richard Jefferson, Reggie Miller's in my mind because he's on every second commercial right now. <laughs> uh, but actually, it, it is pretty funny when he goes into Wendy's and he asks him to put the games on on the, on the menu screen. He's like, hey, put the game on. But uh, Richard Jefferson brought it up the other day uh, in an NBA game of battles. A player missed an open look, basically. And they said, oh, it was an open look. And he said, yeah, it's open, but he's getting harassed big time here. And it's it wears on them. So I never really bought in. I don't really think, I don't see how you could be lucky. Um, but speaking of, this isn't lucky, but an improbable sweet 16 matchup, the Miami Hurricanes and the Iowa State Cyclones. <laughs> That's what you got to love about this tournament. The one of these teams is going to be advancing into the Elite Eight. Uh, Iowa State and Miami. Miami are minus one and a half a battle. It's like minus 130 on the money line. 133 and a half is the, um, is the total. I tell you, 
I was I've been I've been riding these teams, and but when I look at this game, I just think Miami are something special right now, man. Miami are just they're, they're so well coached with Larinaga. They've got a veteran team. They've got guys that they really believe in each other. They're peaking at the right time, and they're not just winning. They're just systematically like just like beating you down. They're just in a zone right now. This team, I'm I, I lean with Miami. It's it's early week right now, Babano. So I'm not putting you on the spot for any picks either here. But Mike, I I do when I look at this, I'm like, yeah, I think Miami beat them. Yeah, maybe I'm biased because I cast a ticket with Miami against Auburn uh, in that outright win on uh, on uh, Sunday, and I took Miami the first round too. So uh, I like what I'm uh, against USC. Uh, I've been riding Miami a lot. I'm totally in agreement here. Um, I think they advanced past Iowa State, and I think you can poke more hole. Like both of these teams, it's an unexpected development that they're in the uh, Sweet 16 and facing each other. But I think if you want to poke holes in the resume of one of these teams, you can poke more holes in Iowa State. Okay, dysfunctional LSU team in their first game. Coaching change. Team didn't play well down the stretch. Iowa State beat them. Wisconsin, okay, actually it was, you know, it was a, almost a home game for the Badgers. You do have to give Iowa State credit for that, but Iowa State or Wisconsin's just not a great offensive team. They go into droughts. They really don't execute sometimes at that end of the floor as, as sharply as you'd like. That's a problem. Their backcourt's not really that great outside of Johnny Davis. Miami has a three-guard trio, Marenzi, and I don't know if they could have played any better than they did against Auburn. They were phenomenal. Charlie Moore, Isaiah Wong, Cameron McGusty. Those three guys were phenomenal. They handle the ball well. They don't turn it over. They know when to pass. They well, he's a great floor shoot. general. This Charlie, uh, Charlie's a great player. Great player. As uh, Larry Nagas said, yeah, he's, he's our Chris Paul. And he even calls him. He goes, hey, you're Chris Paul, right? He goes, if you say so, coach. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah this, this kid can ball. Like, you know, they just yeah. – Makes all the right decisions. They have the athleticism. And like you said, too, it's a nice mix of players, Babano, that each individual guy is stepping up for them. Yeah, it is. And this three-guard lineup, you know, small ball, if you will, for Jimmy Laranega is working well. And, you know, Iowa State, you know, really made things difficult. It was a good defensive matchup for them. Iowa State's defense is no joke. They've played very good defense here. But a lot of these games, there's been shaky suspect offenses and specifically backcourts that they've dealt with getting to this point. They're not facing one of those, you know, against Miami. They're facing a backcourt that is loaded and a backcourt in a perimeter game that is just absolutely thriving right now. And I think it's going to be too much for the Cyclones. I think Jimmy Laranega is Jimmy Laranega could make a Final Four at this point with this team. I think they've got Final Four potential, just like his George Mason team back in 2006. That's how good Miami's playing right now. We've got a Blue Blood special with North Carolina and UCLA. Real fun matchup. Contrast of styles in this uh, in this matchup. UCLA are going to want to slow it down. North Carolina are going to want to speed it up. Uh, the total is 142 and a half. Tar Heels, another team. The Tar Heels are another one that, oh, they're on the bubble. They're on the bubble. And I was like, what the hell are you talking about? I was telling people like two weeks ago. Three weeks ago. I was like, how the hell can a 20-8 North Carolina team be on a bubble? But I get it. You know what I mean? People, oh, they all have quality wins and all this. Well, they have quality players. Right, they have quality players, and and we talked. I talked. I told you last week about Hubert Davis. I mean, the guy's been around forever, Babano. He's been in championships. He's been in the NBA. He's been, you know, what I mean, he's just been around forever. And he's done a great job uh, with his program, beating Coach K in his last game, uh, getting this team to the Sweet 16 here right now. I think this is a winnable game for them. I was all over UCLA. I love UCLA against uh, St. Mary's. I went big on it, uh, but. 
But I like the matchup. Like I said, we could talk about who's going to speed it up and uh, if, if North Carolina is going to be able to speed it up or if UCLA is going to be able to dictate the tempo. My gut just tells me that North Carolina could beat these guys. Hell of a basketball game, though. And I'm glad I don't have to put a pick in for it right now. But really fun game. North Carolina, UCLA. Bruins are minus two and a half. That's two and a half. And uh, 142 and a half, Babano. Yeah, it's a classic blue blood here. North Carolina and UCLA, outstanding matchup. Looking forward to it. Uh, it's going to be interesting. You know what's amazing is they didn't get a great performance, UCLA, out of Johnny Juzang necessarily against St. Mary's, their leading scorer. And they still run St. Mary's right out of the gym. St. Mary's is good. I mean, people are going to say, oh, you're St. Mary's again, falling short. No, that's a good basketball team. And you got to give UCLA credit because they just ran away from the Gales as that game progressed. So... I think North Carolina, if they play like they did for more, the majority of the game against Baylor, they can win. But, man, was that ever an emotional roller coaster ride of a win for North Carolina? That's my concern. And you got to turn around. And Brady Manick, what's his status going to be for this game? Because that Baylor game turned completely toward the Bears after he left the game. You know, So that's going to be the question. I think actually it was an ejection, not an injury. So I think he's actually probably... Yeah, he's not suspended. Yeah, he's not yeah, suspended or anything. That's what I was going to so say. That's good. Okay, it's just one game and then he's going to be back. So he'll be on the floor. Well, that's good because Brady Mack's been a huge, huge piece to why North Carolina's been good uh, down the stretch. But look, Leaky Black's playing well. Baycott's just been a beast down low. There's a lot to like with North Carolina. You know, they've been rebounding. Free throws can do well. them in, though. In a game like this, yeah. that's the thing. Houston, like they, they leave too many points on the court, uh, North Carolina, with the free throws. But... Yeah, Baycott's a badass. I think the game goes over the total. That would be my lean. I know UCLA got stuck in a quagmire game with St. Mary's, low scoring, low pace. They are one of those teams, UCLA, where if the opponent wants to push tempo, they don't mind going with that. If the opponent wants to slow it down, they don't mind going with that either. I'm Nick surprised. Like we got to get out of here. The way the opponent does. Yep. Oh, hold on, but, yeah, but I'm surprised. I'm, it's, I'm surprised it's 142 and a half. I thought it'd be like 138 and a half or something. We'll wrap up with a battle. One more segment. We'll hit the ice and more. Bring it. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Sunday, bloody Sunday. This is Sports Rage. I am Rancy. The pips, the players, the hustlers, the people at Bustler, and everybody else in between. Kicking it, Ian Cameron uh, with us for one more segment. Uh, we'll get back to the basketball on Wednesday uh, with uh, Babano. He's going to be um, he's in San Antonio going to go to the games. Cool stuff. Um, we'll look for you on TV, uh, Babano. So let's let's talk about uh, the National Hockey League. And it is the, uh, the trade deadline on Monday. A couple of big-time deals already. I like what the Toronto Maple Leafs have uh, done, bringing in uh, Giordano, in which you and I talked about the Leafs and their goaltending situation, although the uh, the Swedish kids played great uh, for them. You know, you had to address. It wasn't just the goaltending. You had to get – it was a great player to bring in. A veteran guy is exactly what they needed. you got to give props. Dubas and, uh, and the Leafs get ripped a lot for some of the moves that they make for not being gritty enough. But they clearly knew they had to add, had to add some veteran leadership and some sandpaper to the roster. I like the acquisition of Giordano for the Leafs. And, uh, of course, you've got Giroux, now a member of the Florida Panthers. Yeah, a busy, busy weekend. I, I can't wait to watch the trade deadline day for TSN and Sportsnet when all those dopes are on for eight hours with three trades to report for the entire They'll day. They'll be on can't for more than that. 
they'll be on for like 16 hours and yeah. <laughs> they actually yeah they have like five desks and stuff man they're insane like yeah. they'll have like one desk with like six guys and then like they'll have another and, and all it's like 20 so you got like 24 dudes there in a studio and they're all like staring at their phone all the time trying to look like they're important and they're looking and they're looking and, and like you said oh well we got breaking news uh oh, oh, there's like oh this fourth liner just got traded right <laughs> and, and like you said so listen a couple of these that is a big you know drew is a big big time deal but didn't happen on trade deadline day i don't know why they still fall into the trap every year but better right they set it up they hype it up and nothing ever happens i think the biggest deals have already happened actually there's not a whole lot of meat on the bone. You know, you're right about that. A lot of the bigger names have moved. Drew's off to Florida. Giordano's to Toronto. I guess Chikrin we're waiting on uh, from Arizona to maybe get moved. I guess right there's some goalie bigger. moves, right? People are waiting to see yeah, if there's Fleury. any goalies traded. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Fleury could still go. I'm here in Minnesota's, you know, very, very much in discussions with Chicago uh, to get Marc-Andre Fleury. But, uh, you know, it's going to be a much quieter trade deadline. Day. It's almost like these networks uh, think that everything's going to happen on the trade deadline day. No, the GMs can actually make trades before trade deadline day, you guys. It actually is possible, and it's actually happening more often. Yeah, they should the set the show years. up like three, four days before, actually, and just have like a bunch yeah. of two-hour shows. Hey, great, trade deadline's in four days, and this is what happened now. Because like you said, yeah, they sort of – like. They sit there all day and nothing happens, but it's actually kind of comical to watch them, uh, watch them sit there. Um, all right, uh, so let's get into uh, let's get into the games though on uh, Monday, and uh, we've got the, uh, the Boston Bruins and the Montreal Canadiens, who haven't really played all that much like over the last couple of years, right? They used to play like all the time, but due to the pandemic and they switched the divisions and, and all that stuff, so they haven't really played all that much. But when they do play, Boston have beaten them the battle. <laughs> that's that's been the one common pattern. Although the games have been really spread out, man. They played January 12th, um, and they played um, in November. So they played twice this year. They played early in the season. Boston beat them 5-2. They played early in the new year. Boston beat them 5-1. We have to go all the way back. The last time the Montreal Canadiens actually beat the Boston Bruins was November the 5th, 2019. But they've only played five times since then, Babano. What's your take on this game? Yeah, it's Montreal continues. You know, they, I took them team total uh, over three and a half against Ottawa Saturday night. They beat up Ottawa 5-1. Uh, they, they took Dallas to overtime. This is still a very competitive group here uh, lately, the, the uh, Montreal Canadiens. Now they have Jake Allen back. That's another thing to keep in mind. They've got at least one of their, uh, you know, regular goalies, uh, you know, someone that was expected you know, to be in the net regularly for Montreal going into the year. They got him back now. Uh, it's, it's tough to lay, even with Boston here, you know, a big price. We're going to have to be careful with betting these games on trade deadline day. There's going to be lineup uncertainty. There's going to be players jettisoned out, yeah. players coming in uh, from trades. You want to make sure you know who's in and who's out uh, prior to the game. But, yeah, but uh, if anything, it's speculative. Like, it's you're sort of gambling on the gamble. Like, if anything, Babana, like a good example, you're right. Like, look at the Boston Bruins and the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah. Boston ain't trading people. You know what I'm saying? Like they're yeah. they're a good team. Like so, like if you take this game, the only thing that could happen is Montreal could trade a bunch of guys, right? They are looking yeah. to trade guys. So like Montreal could be shorthanded tomorrow because you get these teams, they trade a bunch of guys and they don't have anyone. You know, they're getting draft picks and they're you know, that's not. But you're right. It's always you know you always got to keep that in mind, guys. It is the trade deadline, so if you're gonna click on a game now. You know, store that in mind. You know, what what do you think is going to happen with the teams? But yeah, they're big favorites for Banner. We're talking about minus two thirty five, bro, on the road. Minus two thirty five. Yeah. That's a big price on the road. 
Yeah, this Montreal or pass. I don't, like, I'm not saying I'll be on Montreal, but it's certainly the way I lean. I'd probably get in on the over, maybe. Again, check the lineups, check goalies. But Montreal, I think 6-0-1 to the over their last seven games. They've been trending over the total again. Uh, there was a push for the game against Ottawa Saturday. But prior to that, they've been starting to go over the total again, scoring goals, but still giving up some at the other end of the ice. So the over might be something I look at there as well. Vegas are in um, in Minnesota. Vegas Golden Knights plus 140. Minnesota Wild minus 160. Total six and a half in that game, uh, Babano. And we have Edmonton and Colorado. Uh, that's a that's a big time game right there. Colorado two to one favorites. Edmonton are like plus 170, uh, plus one and a half uh, goals is minus 140. And then we got the Preds and the Ducks. What do you think about uh, what do you think about these games? What do you, anything catch your eye? So they're still very much shorthanded, Vegas, with McNabb and Martinez and Hutton on the blue line still out. Robin Leonard out, you know, because he's injured, the number one goalie. Pacioretty and Stone are probably not going to play. But they did beat L.A. and they did beat Florida uh, in back-to-back games at home. Now the question, and and, uh, we'll see if they can keep that up because on the road they've not been good. You know, they were just blasted by Winnipeg, Columbus, Pittsburgh, Buffalo, Philly. They lost five, all five games on that road trip they were on with all of these key players out. They came back home. They won two games in a row against L.A. and Florida. Can they bottle that up, take it with them on the road here in a tough place to play Minnesota? That's the question. I'd be interested maybe in Vegas, though, here in this spot because they've done well against Minnesota. Uh, they played this team uh, pretty good uh, in years past. Uh, we'll see if that continues here, including, of course, you know, they have some uh, history as well in the postseason. Let's not forget that as well. Uh, and then, of course, they've won both regular season meetings this year against Minnesota. Minnesota is just its a big price. They're not, they're, they've won the last two against Boston and Chicago, but it's not like they've been dominant in either game. You know, they need a late goal in the third period to beat Chicago uh, on Saturday afternoon. It's not like that was a dominant performance by the Wild. I'd be interested maybe in the underdog here a little bit. Well, are you interested in a live dog in the Edmonton uh, Edmonton Oilers? These guys have been rolling uh, right now, but battle R- roll, rolling along. Five game win streak. They beat Washington. They beat Tampa. They beat uh, Detroit. They beat Buffalo. They beat New Jersey. So they've beaten the best and they've beaten the worst <laughs> uh, along yeah. along the way. And then you look at uh, you look at Colorado. Who Colorado have been kind of inconsistent lately, but. They are now riding a three-game win streak after they, you know, they won two in a row, they lost two in a row. They won one, and then they lost two in a row again. It's not, that's not elite hockey. And now they've rattled off three in a row. They beat Calgary 3-0. They beat uh, the LA Kings 3-0. And then a 5-3 win against uh, San Jose the other night. What do you make of this uh, game, Babano? Both teams come in, um, you know, five-game win streak and a three-game win streak. Yeah, both of them playing well. It's a big, it's a, it's a very big price to take Edmonton, and they have won five in a row. I, I still don't love the Mike Smith, Miko Koskinen and goalie duo, but they've won in spite of that. They've scored a bunch of goals lately. It has been a great run: four three against Washington, four goals against Tampa, seven six and six goals the last three games. They're lighting it up right now. I I might take a sprinkle on Edmonton here just because of the number. I mean, Colorado has lost a couple games at home. Calgary beat them in Denver. Arizona beat them in Denver right before the All-Star break. Uh, So I might look at Edmonton. I might look at a team total with Edmonton because you're going to get a pretty decent number on their team total. You might get two and a half with juice, or you might get three and a half and a great plus price. Either way, you know, asking Edmonton right now in their current form to get four goals may not be asking a lot, even though I do respect Colorado and Darcy Kemper in that McDavid and Dreisaitl are playing well, and they've got help lately. Evander Kane is on fire right now. Kyler Yamamoto stepped up. They're getting some depth scoring now, too. So this could be a live dog, too, but I'm going to probably split it between Edmonton and maybe a look to the team total over as well.
And in closing, we've got Nashville and the Ducks. The Ducks right now in a free fall. Um, they've lost uh, six hockey games in a row. Uh, but bad. I'm surprised the price isn't a little higher uh, coming in here. Meanwhile, you've got uh, Nashville. They've won three of their last uh, four games. And, in fact, they've won three of their last four and what um, – Six of the last eight uh, as well. So Nashville are on a roll right now, playing good hockey. Nashville have been an underrated team all year. So um, they're coming off that 6-3 win uh, over the Toronto Maple Leafs going into uh, in Orange County. What do you think about this one? I like the Preds here. Yeah, I like Nashville too. I think it would be Nashville in regulation and maybe Nashville's team total over as well because Anaheim's had trouble keeping the puck out of the net and John Gibson continues to struggle uh, for the Anaheim Ducks. Not to mention we see what's happening right now at the trade deadline. You know, they just traded away two of their top defensemen. Uh, Josh Manson traded to Colorado last week, and then, of course, Hampus Lindholm traded to Boston uh, over the weekend. So uh, they're going to be very shorthanded. They're going to be a lot younger uh, on the blue line. If you look at their depth chart, all of a sudden, it looks like you're going to see some AHL call-ups uh, from the minor leagues on that blue line. Simone Benoit is going to get in, Andre Schuster. You know, these are guys that have played most of the year in the AHL, so it's not going to be as a deep a blue line now for Anaheim. And Nashville starting a road trip now after beating Toronto uh, on Saturday night. I think the price is reasonable as well. And like you say, Anaheim's sliding right now, and they're, just, they're dealing everyone away right before the deadline. So not exactly a bet-on situation. So I think Nashville probably does get it done. All right, Ben, we'll get you out of here. So what's the deal? Are you leaving Wednesday or Thursday? Are you going to be in San Antonio on Wednesday uh, when you join us, or are you leaving Thursday? I'm leaving very early Thursday morning, so unfortunately, this is going to be the last time I talk to you for for a little bit, Gabe. Uh, oh, that's right. So, uh, you, uh, yeah. that's right. You, your body clock, right? You're, you got to train your yeah. body, and like you go to bed yeah. early and everything. But Banner, like, yeah. like you, you literally, you literally, you're like an old lady. I know. Yeah, <laughs> like we gotta get like, ourselves ready, tip top shape for this trip. What time is your flight at? Let I'm me hear. We're very go. early. What time is your flight at? Eight a.m. Is when it God, leaves, so it's when it departs, that's, yeah. That's not even early. <laughs> All right, but we've got to get out of here, Babato. All right, you better get to sleep, Babato. It's getting late right now yep. for you. Thanks for the time. <laughs> See you later. All right, Gabe, thanks. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, Brian. Care to place a wager? Tomorrow night on Fox's Celebrity Boxing, I've got Carol Channing beating Mike Tyson in three rounds. Carol Channing. You've got Carol Channing, the actress, beating Mike Tyson, the boxer. Hell, give me 50 bucks on Tyson. Yeah, you're in good company. Betting Freddy took the same wager. Late night anger management class, Sunday, buddy, Sunday. Thanks, Dean Cameron. That's late for Babano. He said he had an early plane. I'm thinking, what, like 6 a.m.? That's early. 8 a.m. 8, 8 a.m. That's not like it's not like early. Like 5.45 a.m. Like, you know what I mean? That's brutal. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, yeah, what time's your plane at? 6.10. That sucks. Like, yeah, anything in the fives and the early sixes sucks. He's got to get to the airport hours in advance and stuff like that. But, um... So, yeah, Babano will rejoin us in a couple of weeks. There's no phones in San Antonio. <laughs> Sad, of all the people who join us on the show, we've got, like, people who live much wilder lives than Babano, but he is one of the more um, stranger and interesting people, I think. 
I always get the feeling there's a lot we don't know about him. <laughs> always like you never like he never tells us anything, right? You got you got to pull everything out from uh, from him all the time. But uh, good stuff, uh, Woody and Cameron. All right, so there's been a lot of uh, a lot of baseball signings. We'll hit this stuff tomorrow with George Kurtz, sort of set the, uh, set set the stage uh, here. You know, I'm kind of I was kind of turned off by by Major League Baseball, and not so much the lockout stuff, but their constant their constant um, changing. And they're constant, like, the, the league's constant demands of, like, butchering and changing the sport has upset me. I'm really not down with this designated hitter stuff. It bothers me. I don't like it. It's like, you know, we've been playing baseball for, what, 146 years. There's there's no reason to change things now. Right? And it's always people that don't even really watch that want you to change things. I got into it with people on Twitter about this the other day. Is the CFL... You know, and I'm not saying they're going to do it, but it was brought up if the CFL should have four downs instead of three downs. And, man, they've been playing CFL football for nearly 200 years, like the oldest league in North America. And I know as people were tweeting me, oh, no, they should. And then they were like, and then after, like, I haven't watched the league in years. So you don't, you haven't watched something. It's I'm always amazed by that. So you don't really watch something, but you want you want it to change. That's like saying that's like telling a restaurant to change their menu that you've never been to. <laughs> oh, they should serve this type of food. Right? Well, they that's no, they don't. The modern sport fan, like I've never seen this is an era that we're in right now where it's like pretty much every day somebody has some stupid idea to change something. And people think it's a good idea because people are so stupid. We are the stupidest era and generation in the history of mankind. Like, we really are. Yeah, like, our IQs have gotten smaller, like, over the years and stuff. It's just factual. It's all true. Like, we're a bunch of raving morons. Like, we shouldn't be changing anything. Like, we're not smart enough to be changing anything. Right? Like, well, well we, should have a, we, should, yeah, we should have a pitch clock in baseball. It's like what? Like what the hell are you talking about? We've been playing baseball for 146 years. There's no clocks in baseball. Yeah, but you know, because I want this and me and you know all, all this. Nobody watches baseball, even though baseball had like 211 million people watch their games last year in the playoffs or whatever. Nobody watches. As I've stated, you know, like hey, it is what it is. Uh, now you know, it just to me. There's something to it. Like, you know, the baseball stuff, it, really, it just really bothers me that baseball is supposed to sort of be a complicated sport, right? Like baseball, like hardcore baseball fans, they're not like hardcore NFL fans. You know what I'm saying? You know what I mean? Like to, to them, it's like, well, that's just sort of a, you know, a Neanderthal sort of hit people and there's not a lot of thinking, even though there is thinking and play calling and stuff in football. But... Baseball now with no designated uh, with with the designated hitter in both leagues, like you've really taken away like American League Baseball. Whatever, it's just it's just a home run derby essentially, right? There's not a lot of managing or thinking going on, and it's like so society is so kind of dumb now and stupid. They want to eliminate thinking, right? Like why is Twitter successful? Because it's 140 characters. 
Like, it's, that's what we're at right now. Like, people can't really process something more than 140 letters. Think about that. Right? Like, anything, like, nothing long form is successful. TikTok, right? It, everything's quick, quick, quick. But just because something's quick doesn't mean it's good. Right? Look how, like, fads change all the time. And, like I said, it's just, it's, it's, it's disheartening to me that baseball just became a lot dumber. Like, now there's no more double switch stuff, right? There's, you know, managers, right, whatever. Yeah, you don't have to think. It's actually somewhat of an equalizer in the National League a bit because even if you are a really good manager, it doesn't really matter now. You don't really have to manage. Like, what do you have to ever really think about? I mean, what are you going to do ever? You don't have to ever think about, well, if I take this guy out, i got to put this guy in this position, and I'm going to put him in left field. I'm going to move this guy over to here. Right, you know that that whole creativity stuff, and now guys that they have to face the the three batters and like what the hell is that? If you want to bring a pitcher in to face one, you know, to throw one pitch, that should be your prerogative. Now the only saving grace is they're not adding all this crap this year. It's going to be next year, and I don't know. Maybe maybe saner, maybe cooler heads will prevail and stuff. It was too quick to implement all this stuff, but they seem hell bent on it. The DH is one thing, and, you know, I knew that was going to happen one day. So it is what it is. And, look, I know a lot of people uh, disagree with me. I think I am in the minority in this. People always say, oh, I'm tired. I didn't, I'm tired of watching. We got into it with George Kurtz with George. So he goes, oh, I'm tired of watching pitchers strike out. Like, everything that people want is to what? So you want more runs. But the thing is, they want baseball to be quicker. So that's like, you know what I mean? Like, you ever seen the episode of The Simpsons where, um, was it, Funzo? You know, so the toy company has, like, they do the market research for the kids. And Buddy finally snaps, and he goes, you're a bunch of dumb kids. You don't know what you want. <laughs> right? Like, right? They're like, oh, we want it to be fun. We want it to shoot. We want it to have this. We want it to have that. Like, that's what people are like now. And it was a bad idea, right? It's like Buddy Ryan said. Listen to the fan. Become a fan. You can start listening to jackasses online telling you they want to change things because they're jackasses online. Don't listen to them. So it just, it's, it's, you know, it really has bothered me. But once the games start, whatever, it is what it is. So I guess National League games now will be long as hell. And I don't mind long games, like if it's a good game. But baseball, it's just with, and the players are to blame too. So that's why I have a, I have a bad taste about them as well. And it has nothing to do with them and any sort of monetary greed. They have bastardized the game. Like for their own their own profit. And and everybody, like they're all they're all guilty. Like they're all guilty. Right? Like the players, the owners, the agents, the general managers. Right, like general managers, like you know, we see it in the playoffs, right? Like, okay, they have the shift on. You could lay down a bunt, right? You could lay down a bunt, or even if you were good enough and smart enough and whatever, you could just slap a single down the third baseline. But they don't do it, and even in the playoffs, right, or even in the World Series, and and what do you hear? And because I tell you what, if the general manager and a manager wanted it to happen, they would do it. Right, they would say they would tell them, "Listen, just bunt down the third baseline here, all right?" Because there's a shift. But you notice they don't tell them to do that. And I know for a fact it drives managers crazy. Right, I know that it pisses managers off, but there's nothing they can do about it. 
Because even though their managers, today's manager, you're, you know, you have to agree if you're a manager to go along with the analytics. Because if you don't, then you're not going to be a manager very long. Right? Like, that's why Mike Sosha had enough. Right? Like, they would tell Sosha, listen, you know, throw this, do this, do that. And he would tell him, listen, I've been in a game for 50 years, 40 years, whatever. I was a catcher, and I've been a manager who won World Series. I think I know how to run a baseball game. And they would say, well, not as well as the computer does. Like, so the managers have sort of been replaced kind of by computers already in a way. Like, you don't think it upsets a manager when he knows a guy's going to go up there and pop out? You know what I mean? He's going to hit a pop fly as opposed to, you know, driving the ball into the gap. And we hear it all the time. Wow, they don't get paid. They don't get paid to do that. We're not we're not paying the guy to uh we're not paying the player to, to hit a single, we're paying him to hit a home run. It's like, yeah, you're you're also losing the game. So you can you're also paying him to win the game, aren't you? Isn't that supposed to be important as well? Like the the modern baseball, like the stupid launch angle stuff, and I understand. I understand. I get why they I get why it is what it is. Like we talked about it, like basically if you get a certain launch angle and the pitch is like 99 miles an hour, there's like a six. Everything is just mathematics now. They're like, oh, you've got a 70% chance of hitting a home run. And if it's 102 miles an hour, you get, you know what I mean? There's like a graph that they have. And so in other words, they know that it's like, it's like physics. If they get the launch angle, they will hit home runs. I've told you guys the story before, right? About, like, uh, years ago, a player that I knew hit, like, 20 home runs in a season. And, you know, 20 home runs was impressive in those days. It's about, you know, 20, 15, 20 years ago type stuff. And and he was a good hitter, though. He was hitting, like, 280 and stuff. You know what I mean? And he used to, like, you know, drive the ball into the gap and hit singles and doubles and 20 home runs. And then the next year, he was always trying to hit a home run. And I asked him, I said, what the hell are you doing? Like... You know what I mean? Like, I, it wasn't even on the air. Like, I knew the guy, and I said, I said, it seems to me that you're just trying to kill the ball, and, you know, it's not working. And he basically said that his agent told him to do it. He said, my agent, he said, listen, you know, I made, I hit 20 home runs. He said, if I could hit 30 home runs, I'm really going to get paid. He said, it doesn't matter what my average is. If I hit 30 home runs, I'm going to make big money. So that's sort of like they've, you know what I mean? They've... I don't mind paying players. I'm not one of these people. Oh, they're spoiled millionaires and stuff. I don't mind paying them. But can you guys at least play the game the way it's supposed to be played? Or you want to bastardize it for yourself now? I mean, it's ridiculous. There's no balls in play in baseball. That's the player's fault. That's the And it's like I said, it's the general manager's fault. It's the analytics. It's the whole billy ball crap. Right? That's what it is. That That's, you know, that, that that's what it's come down to. The analytics have killed it. Like I said, I don't mind analytics. I think it's smart. Like, honestly, like, if you know that, listen, if you throw the ball here and this, if you throw this pitch to this guy, he's going to, he's not going to hit it 82% of the time. So I, I don't think it's dumb to use and rely on some of these numbers as far as like your pitch calling and some of the things you're going to do. But the actual, like the, the lack of situational hitting is a massive problem. And it's not an entertainment thing. It's not like it hurts the game in a sense. It's just but it shows like they're they're playing, they're not playing the sport of baseball. They're trying to change the sport for themselves to make money. 
It's as simple as that. They want to hit home runs. Why do you want to hit home runs so much? Why don't you just want to get a double and drive in two? Well, because I'm going to make more money if I hit a home run. And and they're encouraged and enabled by these general managers. Look at the Braves. The Braves won the World Series playing small ball. The late-night anger management class continues. Bring it. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Quick, it's 180 minutes in Sports Talk Radio. Three-minute warning, level three. The Sweet 16 is set. The late night anger management class. Now, I'm just looking right now, and fortunately, the NIT, um, we've got college basketball. Uh, so, fortunately, we do have college basketball. We've got these other tournaments going on uh, the, the TBC, the CBI, the NIT. We've got action on Monday night. Uh, we've got action on Tuesday, so it's not like we have to wait all the way to Thursday uh, only. And in fact, we even have afternoon uh, basketball on Monday. Drake and UNC Wilmington. Interesting. Wilmington's getting six points in this game on their home court. Northern Colorado, UNC, Asheville, so it's CBI time. Middle Tennessee State and Boston. So we know that, listen, oh, man. Remember we were like, wow, that's it for Middle Tennessee State. Well, we got another chance to bet on these guys. The number one point spread team in the country. Middle Tennessee State. You know I'm going to be taking them. It's just one of these blind bets. You don't have a choice. They're taking on Boston. Boston University. BU, Middle Tennessee State. I see where we're it's Middle Tennessee State are four and a half point favorites, actually, in this game. Florida Gulf Coast and Coastal Carolina, South Carolina Upstate and uh, South Alabama, and uh, Ohio and Abilene Christian. It's a good game, actually, Ohio and Abilene Christian. We got some good games. Like, uh, there's more to it than just uh, madness. But I'll tell you what, man. I threw it out there, actually, as far as the NIT is concerned. People were like, oh, this team and that team and the NIT. I say, keep your eye on Vanderbilt. Remember how hot Vanderbilt were down the stretch? Vanderbilt played some great basketball down the stretch in the SEC, and they're a covering machine. And Vanderbilt is still alive right now. They're going to Xavier up next. It's getting real now in the NIT. That game's on Tuesday. St. Bonaventure at Virginia. St. Bonaventure's been really impressive in this tournament, too. They keep going on the road and winning these games. We appreciate you giving us your time this evening. Other than that, you're on your own. Later.